Welcome to the Food and Drink Business Podcast. Your on-the-go bite of the food and beverage industry. Welcome to the Food and Drink Business Podcast. My name's Grant McCarran, and today's episode is brought to you by EPAC, an eco-friendly company committed to creating a more sustainable world through earth-friendly packaging, energy-efficient processes, and involvement in local communities. EPAC encourages companies to prevent unnecessary waste and to utilize existing waste as a resource. With EPAC, brands of all sizes run faster, dynamic promotions with orders on demand. Established in 2016 in the USA, EPAC is now worldwide and launched in Australia in 2021 with their first facility in Melbourne. For this episode, as ever, I'm joined by Kim Berry, the editor of Food and Drink Business and the host of this show. G'day, Kim. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm I'm okay. It's raining in Sydney. That might surprise you as we continue our uh, weather, you know, our weather conversation at well, the start of every podcast. <laughs> <laughs> given, given the weather that Sydney has had over the past few months and the floods and so on, I'm honestly no, not surprised no. that it's raining. We are now literally in the zone of like, oh, look, it's raining. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but apart from that, we are all tickety-boo. And oh, I fantastic. am very excited about our guest today because... He's the CEO of a company that was launched in September last year. So they're coming up to 12 months. The company is called Openway Food Co. And we today are talking to Andrew Loder, the CEO and co-founder. Andrew spent 20 years with the global juggernaut that is Mars. And he left in 2019 hoping to have a bit of a break and just, you know, chillax for a while and, I don't know, COVID hit and... uh, I think, uh, look, you know, I think lots of exciting things happened. And if we're looking for good things to come from COVID, well, let's uh, let's just say that Open Openway is one of them. We're going to uh, introduce Andrew and I'll get him to tell us about, I guess, the structure of Openway Food and why it is really special. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Kim. Uh, hi, Grant. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. So, yes, after that background in with the global behemoth that is Mars, you did it. You went to a startup. Essentially. Yes, yes, certainly uh, a very different space to to what what I've been um, in over the the prior tw- twenty years. But but I guess uh, in this space, Kim I get to learn, uh, get to use all the learnings that I picked up out of those twenty years, which is great. So. Yes, we've had a, we've had a very interesting, uh, and I guess like most in this industry, volatile first twelve months as we're, we're sort of all juggling COVID and government rules and regulations and supply chain and, and I guess in the last, you know, more recently inflation. So um, the the thesis of our company is is essentially bringing together um, some smaller founded um, you know, founder led companies. Um, building a platform really where sort of better for you food and healthier food can prosper. And so um, what we've done is we've b- brought um, three companies together, uh, one which is called Annex Foods, uh, which is a manufacturing base in Clayton South in Melbourne, a couple of great brands, um, the main one being Red Tractor, which is organic oats uh, and plays a lot in the breakfast cereal space. Um we, we picked up a second brand through Kate and Tell Vice, who had created and founded Table of Plenty, uh, which is you know, a snacking business, um, has a number of products in sort of rice cakes uh, and those type of areas. And then a third brand, which is a really young brand called Keep It Cleaner, 
which was founded by uh, four four young, um, exciting um, influencers and, and sort of movers and shakers, I guess, in the healthy space. And so, you know, we bought, you know, with some grey hairs or no hairs in my, my instance, um, we bought some experience and expertise, I guess, out of many years of multinationals yeah, to, to help these founders sort of come together and work together in a platform that, that makes healthy foods easier for everyone to, to understand and to, to find. And I guess that's, uh, that's our purpose and our vision. Right. And so even though Openway acquired these companies, all of these founders have stayed on with their businesses and are still essentially running their businesses. Is that correct? The, the way we, we, we work at Kim, so the answer is yes, all the founders are still involved in the business, which is great. And, and what we've done is we've managed to find a happy place for all of the founders. So not everyone wanted to stay full time running these businesses. Um, some of these um, founders have been working really hard for 15 years and needed a chop out to, to a degree. And, and uh, Kate and Tal, as an example, under Table of Plenty, you know, really wanted to take some time away. Um, and so they work in the business still in the areas that they love around innovation uh, and great product design and, and really strong ingredients and being you know, proud of what we do. But we've taken a lot of the back office, cash management, uh, finance and all of that type of angst that most founders have away and building that into the platform. So you know, we can leverage you know, a central resource base for that type of thing and the founders get to be great at what they're great at um, really. And so we've, we've found a happy place so far uh, with the three businesses that we've got in our platform. Tell me what it's like operationally in terms of, as we've said, you know, you, you come with this immense background and experience across 20 years and you're working, I mean, I know some of these companies, as you were just saying, um, you know, Table of Plenty, that's actually been around for more than a decade in some in, you know, in some form, but uh, what's that like when you then have a have a period of time like what we are we have gone through and indeed are currently still in? That is what, for all intents and purposes, everyone says is so is an absolute first. What's that like? I mean, I imagine in a way, perhaps you add the the steady as she goes. Yeah, it's been look the degree of difficulty has been very high. Uh, obviously, as we know, bringing companies from different backgrounds together is already a complex exercise and having led some mergers in the past, um, I know that that is complex in its own right. But certainly I think what we've found is the coming together of the three groups um, together with, you know, myself and, and Gavin as the founders of Openway, we we feel like it's probably been safety in numbers to a degree and start and working together and being able to to help each other through some of this because I've got no doubt there'd be some some founders listening to to your podcast today that have found the last 12 months really difficult and are wondering what the next 12 or 24 months looks like. I guess we, we have a, a position now where we're starting to build this business up that there is some experience, people that have been through the ups and downs of business to help those that may not have had that sort of experience so that we can stay focused on growing healthy foods and, and, um, and bringing uh, you know, healthy options to the retailers because in categories like where we play, which is sort of the healthy food aisle, um, there's not as much developed experience around the category either. So the retailer actually is looking for people like us to help help navigate through some of these complexities as well. I wanted to touch on that because it's something that does come up often uh, in terms of, I mean, we all know the health food aisle. We all know sort of the health and wellness market and that it's growing. But there have been a lot of, um, I guess, comments or a lot of experience in that space where products uh, either don't 
uh, hang around for that long or you know, the health field has been there for as long as you know, we can all remember, that there seems to be, a, I guess, the roots in it are not as deep as they are in a lot of the other aisles within the supermarket. Is that a fair call? And if so, how does someone like Openway then work with that re- with retailers to change that? Yeah, I think the the caution I'd probably uh, put across is your opening sort of sentence of we all know the health food aisle. I, I'm not sure that we do. I think there's a lot of people that don't know what's in that aisle. Uh, is it healthy? Can I trust it? Where do I shop? Um, where do I where do I go for a protein bar? Is it in this space? Is it at the at the front of the store neither so there's lots of I think work and education to be done still on what's the purpose of that aisle um, there, you, you would find that there's a lot of people don't actually even go down that aisle um, and don't shop that aisle just like a lot of people avoid other aisles in the supermarket that they're, that they're trying to stay away from people avoid it basically because they don't quite understand it um, and so I think that there's still you know a big piece of education and and, and part of the thesis of what we're doing at Open Way Food Co. is to help some of those great brands that you're talking about that aren't surviving beyond, you know, a two-year lifetime, um, you know, because they're cycling faster and faster. Um, how do we help them keep innovating and keep bringing ideas forward so that, you know, that brand stands for something in the retailer's eyes, in the consumer's eyes, and can sustain itself? Um, and really, as part of putting this this business model together, um, I spoke a lot to the retailers about what help do they need in that space and that was quite often what I would get back was, you know, we get some amazing products and amazing founders but they, they can do one thing. So, they, so you know, Kim, Kim's amazing granola but then Kim can't back that up the next year and so we go with Grant's amazing granola the next year. And so there's this churn in this category because it's not developed like you see in other categories where the big multinationals have been at this for 100 years. Um, in, in some of the mainstream categories. So what we're finding here is that there's there's really not big multinationals because everyone wants authentic, healthy food. Um, but equally, we've got to try and help the, help everyone find a model that can sustain itself. Uh, and that's, that's, I guess, where we provide some uniqueness to what's existing in Australia at the moment. And I think this has, this has largely come from, well, I think it was occurring and then COVID has, with so, as with so many other things, just amplified it and and sped it up in looking at different ways for companies to operate and to manufacture and to get their product to market and to scale rather than trying to do it as a solo exercise so what obviously what openway is doing but then you also have something like the um, food and agricultural network up on the sunshine coast that is looking at the precinct uh, turbine precinct where they're going to have a lot of these the services like what you're talking about in terms of the finance and the this and that, but even an R&D space, but that can then be shared by these companies. Do you think it's these sorts of models are really going to take hold? Yeah. I, look, I think you just have to look at how we live our lives. Um, you know, 10 years ago, what, what, what was Uber? You know, which is a shared, it's a shared, what was Airbnb? Um, so, like, I think, you know, this collaborative nature and sharing assets is is going to hold, and I think in this in this space that's certainly one of the major values that we're driving in our business is collaboration, and we want to be collaborative. And, and we have so we have an asset base within our factory, but we don't just make our own brands. We make 
healthy brands for third parties, for some of the multinationals, for the major retailers, even in some private label. So, and we're not, we're, we're sort of not worried about that because we feel like as long as there's models and options out there for better for you food to help people eat, eat, um, eat healthier, it's more affordable, it's more present, then everybody's winning in this space. And, and I think the models that you talk to, you know, the advantage that a smaller business like ours has from the start is we're not protecting a legacy of 80 years of doing something one way or 100 years of doing something one way. We can we can sort of start out at a better place. And so an example would be, you know, we buy um, some of our ingredients from farmers that use regenerative farming practices. And so it's almost carbon positive by the time it gets to us. And our, our job is to then try and keep that as carbon neutral or positive as we can. And so while we haven't gone public with this, you know, we really have a drive to say, right, how, when's our first carbon positive product um, that we have in market um, come through? And, look, we won't be able to do that all on our own. So why I think those types of precincts and things will, will be um, really important in the future, take packaging as an example, is we want to leverage the great minds on packaging in Australia, which is not open way food co. You know, it's Vizzy, it's packed, it's Coca-Cola, it's whoever else is driving sort of the major initiatives. So how can we tap into that and share some of that um, experience to just all get there faster? Look, I know, uh, you know, we've just had Auspac 2022 and the AIP's just had its uh, its awards night and the work that is being done by Australian companies in, in that space is, I mean, truly remarkable, really, and um, and very exciting to, to see. And I, and I guess that sentiment does, of course, then flow across into product development. And if you look at a product, say, like Red Tractor's Oats, how, I mean, that is essentially, I mean, oats are, I mean, it's, I mean, I just sort of look at it as a staple, but we can classify it as a health food. How do you then, how do you zhuzh that up? Like, I mean, in terms of really appealing to this, this growing market, looking for, uh, you know, functional foods that have, you know, ingredients or um, components in them that help brain function or that, uh, you know, really help lower blood glucose or whatever whatever it is how do you when you have a staple product and you're trying to put a, an organic or a very uh you know a health product out on the market how do you then do that in terms of i guess the sophisticated health market that people are now wanting to see yeah I th- look it's a great question and i think it would take me a long time to answer that one and give you an <laughs> answer that that completes it so and i don't think any of us will will ever answer that necessarily because what you think is healthy and sophisticated yeah. uh, is different to what i do um, and every consumer sort of you know, back perhaps to our conversation on the health aisle everyone's looking for something everyone thinks something's healthy in their own, some people are looking for high protein, some people are looking low carbs, some people are looking for gut health, right? So what is in their mind as healthy is very different. So I think it's a great example, though, of, you know, an, an old product, uh, as you say, like oats, oh, it's been around for quite a long time, yeah. um, you know, the, creating some functionality and, and add, added sort of um, purpose and benefit to it. So, um, you know, for example, we might put collagen or protein and things like that into, into the oats, um, we certainly can do them you know, very low in sugar relative to what consumers have been used to in the past and things like that. So 
I think there are functionalities to it, but there also some of these what you call staple ingredients that have been around for millions of years probably uh, are getting um, more. There's more functions for those those um, those ingredients. So as it, the majority of oats in the world now would probably be going to oat milk rather than to oats that we think of for cereal. Um, so that's great for the farmers because there's perhaps uh, you know, some pricing premium that comes with that. But it also just opens up other avenues where everyone's looking at oats or looking at chia and quinoa. What, what other purpose can I can, – how can it be repurposed for a higher value and a higher value creation? So there's opportunities there for manufacturers or for brand players to do that. And, and in fact, one of our biggest wins in our first 12 months has been that we've launched Red Tractor Oats into the US, um, the USA market. And, you know, the for those that know the USA market, Quaker Oats have been there for as long as any of us would remember and pretty much in the same format. And so those retailers are really looking for something different um, now. And so Red Tractor Oats provides, you know, there's no glyphosate, no um, used in our oats. They're in the sun a lot longer than the North American oats. So there's a lot of functional benefits when you really get underneath oats. Uh, if anyone's interested, I guess they can give me a call on oats. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, there's things that, that retailers and consumers are so savvy to now because the information, you know, is a lot, is a lot more and they're looking for a lot more where it comes from, what's in it. And I think because um, I – and look, correct me if I've, you know, if I'm wrong on this, but – the co-founder, your co, you know, the co-founder with yourself is Gavin Evans, uh, who also is part of Eat Group, which then owns and founded Australia's first commercial plant protein fraction plant, <laughs> Australian Plant Proteins. And I mean, the work that Australian Plant Proteins is doing in terms of with a lot of those uh, heritage or um, uh, uh, traditional legumes and pulses and is is really what you're talking about, isn't it, in terms of finding other ways to use them and giving them a higher purpose um, and y- y- with, a, with myriad benefits coming from that, apart from just the health benefits for consumption in terms of the land quality and soil, you know, topsoil protection and um, lots of different angles, as well as the manufacturing development for Australia in in developing the machinery and the equipment for these, um, you know, fraction plants or this this type of manufacturing that hasn't been seen in Australia before. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what they're doing is certainly leading, um, you know, leading the industry to a new place in terms of how does Australia use its food bowl. Uh, and then, you know, what we're doing then, is, uh, along with many others, is, you know, how do we commercialise that so the consumer gets the benefit? Um, so, you know, Gav come from a quite a strong agribusiness background and I come from the strong consumer. So it was almost like there's there's a handover in the middle between sort of the agribusiness framework and, and then what happens in retail and commercialising that, which, you know, we're, we're feeling like we're finding the, the happy the happy medium on, if that makes sense. But you're right, I think that there's there's so many opportunities for Australian companies to you know, to leverage the farmers that we have and, and, you know, we certainly want to be supporting that as much as we can and we know clearly that in Asia there's a big demand for Australian products and, and provenance so, you know, we, we'll, we'll try to help lead lead on that front and, and obviously a few, of, a few recent examples of success into the US market. So, you know, it's certainly, you know, something that it's pleasing to hear from a government perspective, you know, the support for Australian manufacturing in the food 
food and drinks industry because, you know, we were great and I think we, we, we certainly can, can do that again. Yeah. I know uh, recently the ANZ um, Japan uh, president for Mondelez International, Darren O'Brien, was essentially calling for, um, I guess, a more collaborative and coordinated approach to what we're talking about here in terms of realising those potentials of of the industry uh, and removing some of the, I guess, the not, not even necessarily the red tape, but just that there are so many things that are being put onto food and beverage manufacturers in terms of, you know, allergens or ingredients, other ingredients or the packaging and sustainability initiatives um, right across the board, you know, product provenance, you name it. Um, and that all of those different factors, there's no, um, there's you know, there's no overarching um, cohesive approach to that and that therefore for the manufacturers you can end up I think um, I think Darren was saying that by the time they can go through uh, um, adhering to all of the labeling requirements on one product they can they can come out with something like uh, you know it costing the company 25 million dollars by the time they make the changes because they're not coming through as a one edict. Yeah, this is what your labelling has to do. Um, how do we do that? How, what's your thoughts on how you actually can make that system so much uh, less, not even onerous, but more easier? I don't, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a it is a really good one, and obviously having led a multinational, uh, I can understand that side of it where Darren's coming from, and now having the opportunity to do it slightly differently. Um, look, I think. It's, it's piece by piece, Kim. Like, I don't think we can sort of sit back and say we'll get this amazing framework where all of that just works perfectly, but certainly um, diving into areas that there's specific tension points, it's almost in my mind it's like we, we have consumer products to solve a tension for the consumer. Um, so what's, what tension do we need to resolve here in that? In that so let's take that example. Uh, my answer to that would be we need to be driving harder on technology and the use of QR codes, and, which obviously boomed through COVID. How do we use that so that c consumers are so used to seeing a QR code that gives them all of the packaging ingredient, the, the star ratings, the allergens and all of that sort of stuff that they need? They can filter that on whatever their preference is. Back to our comments earlier, you're looking for something different than I am. Um, that technology can help doing that rather than the manual changing plates, every skew, millions and millions of dollars all the time, let alone the resource that gets sucked up into that, which, which erodes, you know, our productivity as a, as a manufacturing industry as well because there's so much resource doing those things that are just to hold flat, um, you know, or hold, hold, you know, really a status point. So I think there's, there are ways, but I just don't think there's going to be one way. I think it's going to be pockets of areas that, that are real tensions and we need to try and resolve those tensions together and and I think what's harder for the bigger companies than it is for a smaller company like like mine is you know protecting what they've got um, you know and, and the competition that exists which we, we you know we can't shy away from um, and, and you know I spoke recently at, at an in another forum about you know where does intellectual property start and end in the future you know is is 
being great at packaging and, and updating that really a competitive advantage or is it really what's in the product and um, you know, the, the story behind the product? So perhaps if we sort of redefine where competition starts and ends and the, and the IP game starts and ends too in, the small, in, in some areas of industry, then that would, would open up some opportunities. Mm, wow. A bit provocative. Uh, yeah, no, and we're all about that. <laughs> hey, um, we've got a couple more minutes. What's on the uh, what's on the horizon? What's in, what's on the agenda for Openway in the next say, you know, six to twelve months? Yeah, great. So we're um, yeah, obviously this US business that we're launching is, is a big focus for us. Um, having got our red tractor brand into that and a new bar brand called Raise the Bar, um, so like that's it. pretty that's pretty exciting. Um, so we're we're pretty focused on that. Um, but really we're, we're really trying to just make sure that we uh, create consistent quality products for, for our customers and, and managing through the, co- the complex supply chain. Um, and it's quite interesting. Obviously, we're, we've got to manage the challenges of today, but we're, we're trying to build for something better tomorrow. And so our next six months really is just about keep building our platform, um, keep you know, proving out our innovation models and, and, um, and our customer relationships and then probably opening up to and listening to more consumers about what what are consumers looking for because to a degree in our first 12 months we've we've sort of done our own thing to try and just establish our business it's probably now time for us to open up a little bit more and understand more about what are those tensions for consumers that we need to resolve uh, and help them with and sometimes they don't even know what they need help with as we all know so we'll be doing that and, and certainly we've got more M&A on our on, in our future Kim uh, and trying to find you know, more great founders that can join our platform that complement what we currently do or bring, you know, something unique to us. So, uh, yeah, we've got lots to do um, over the next uh, so six to 12 months, but we've got a great team that's very aligned with what we're doing and very passionate about um, creating and building something for the future, which, you know, isn't there at the moment. So it's, uh, it's a great challenge. And our final question that I always uh, put to our guest, what, uh, what gets you out of bed in the morning? What's that kicking your step? If you had hair, I'd say what blows your hair back? <laughs> uh, well, most of the times I'm getting out of bed in the morning is to go for a run. Uh, so that's sort of my first thing that gets me out. But from a from a work perspective, um, I think it's the energy that I get just with working um, with the younger founders um, and, and how to unlock the tensions or, or seeing what I would consider to be a reasonably simple sort of suggestion that's come from a a career of being trained in a multinational that lights a spark or, or um, you know, something in them. And I think that, you know, I saw some of that yesterday um, just with, you know, two guys that were talking about, you know, just a new product launch that we're coming up with. So I think it's that because that, I think the younger founders and they've got this energy and thirst to sort of just go and do things that you don't always see in people that have been around for a long time. So I think it's a combination of using my old, uh, you know, my, my, I guess, years of experience but seeing how the younger generation unlock us and hopefully, you know, I can sort of ensure that that keeps happening. But, yeah, no, I certainly get a buzz out of that. Yeah, that's um, that's fantastic. I think it's something that through this podcast and and all the interviews that we do on food and drink business, time and time again, the thing that comes out as the most rewarding and you know the most exciting is the collaboration and the sharing of ideas and the people you know the synergies between the people and the relationships and and seeing that that um, innovative energy and electricity really come to the fore. 
Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, and obviously Open Way is, uh, is bottling that at the moment. It's very exciting to watch. Thank you. Thank you. So, look, uh, thank you, Andrew, for joining us. It's just fantastic. And I'm so pleased, despite everything that uh, <laughs> the world is throwing towards the industry at the moment, uh, you guys have been really sort of kicking goals and, and growing from strength to strength. We'll, uh, we'll check in again next year. <laughs> right. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure. Well, thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Kim. And, folks, today's episode was brought to you by EPAC, an eco-friendly company committed to creating a more sustainable world through earth-friendly packaging, energy-efficient processes, and involvement in local communities. EPAC encourages companies to prevent unnecessary waste and utilise existing waste as a resource. With EPAC, brands of all sizes run faster, dynamic promotions with orders on demand. Established in 2016 in the USA, EPAC is now worldwide and launched in Australia in 2021 with their first facility in Melbourne. You've been listening to the Food and Drink Business Podcast, produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of Food and Drink Business, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of Food and Drink Business, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast's audio, please contact us via our website or send an email to editor at foodanddrinkbusiness.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's food and beverage industry at foodanddrinkbusiness.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast. Southern Skies Media. 